Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Why, hello there. Jasper here with a little update from us over at TBHHQ uh, to say that this is not going to be a regularly scheduled uh, Monday episode. This is a bit of a bonus episode, a peek behind the Patreon screen, as it were, uh, to give you guys a little idea as to what the sort of thing we normally put out on our Patreon. Um, uh, This is just to give us a chance to catch up. We've all been going about a million miles an hour uh, over here. We've been DMing, we've been playing and guesting on other things and so we just wanted to take a little uh, second, uh, get our feet under ourselves so that we can make sure that we're still putting out all this amazing content for you all. Um, and also give us a great time to say a huge thank you to all of our new listeners and our new patrons. Uh, we see you uh, absolutely blown away by the amount of new uh, faces uh, and ears that we have welcomed to the TBH family. So thank you so much. Uh, just to say that we have recently relaunched our Patreon uh, with three lovely new shiny tears and a new stretch goal and we have a set a stretch goal of 250 patrons we are coming up on it very very quickly and what we will be doing when we get 250 patrons is we will be doing merch that is right three black halflings will be doing merch so if you want to see tbh merch why don't you head over to the patreon and uh, sign up every little helps and every single patron helps us to get towards that stretch goal um if you can't contribute financially i know how the times are at the moment that is absolutely fine but why not whilst you're listening to this go drop us a little review on whatever podcasting app you're using it really really helps us grow the show uh, and it's something super quick that you can do just give us a little rating and a review and say some nice words about what we do if you're enjoying listening to us Um, it means the world thank you so much for all of your continued support and i hope that you enjoy this our little patreon exclusive for you all today have a fantastic day wherever you are and we'll see you very soon Let's parlay, patrons. Well, and all of yous there. I see you, non-patrons. That's right. This is like a Patreon exclusive, but it's kind of not. But it kind of is. This is like a taster of what you get on the Patreon. And I'm here today with my boy, Jeremy Cobb. Yeah, there he is. For a second, I thought you were going to say my actual name. Jeremy (laughs) Cobb, uh, but... Oh, should I? You know what? Because this is kind of a special, a special sort of pseudo episode, and I don't normally do nicknames for Patreon episodes, mm. but we're releasing this publicly. Mm. I will, I will bestow the very first nickname of honor. Currently, the only nickname of honor. It happened so long ago, months ago. But shout out to Precious. Oh yeah. Uh, my nickname is. The Avatar, The Last Airbender Netflix movie, because it culminates the emotions that she went through to get to the point of earning the nickname of honor. Uh, this was after correctly answering oh, yes. the, the which film, the quote, you're weak. You are always weak. You'll always be weak until you take control uh, comes from. 
Uh, I'm not going to reveal who, what, what movie that is from. Uh, if you know, then you know. Uh, Precious knows. She figured it out and she earned the nickname of honor. Well done, Precious. Well done, Precious. From me, um, the Avatar, the last Airbender Netflix movie. Which Your could friend. or could not be trash. Yes, just a complete up and down emotional roller coaster. Who knows? Yep. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? But we are here today uh, to do uh, to give you, um, uh, for all of you who aren't patrons, a little taster into what the Patreon might hold for you and for all of our patrons uh, to uh, do a deep dive into uh, some, well, planning one-shots. Uh, we've been doing some one-shots recently. Uh, Jeremy uh, has been doing, uh, did a one-shot over on the D&D official YouTube channel. I feel, hey, like, hey. We a, I feel like we need a... Like that's that's very very baller uh, and very cool. And well, uh, uh, Jasper, we need an even bigger <sighs> for your recent appearance on not another D and D podcast running a two shot, yeah. not just a one shot, a two shot, yeah, two for the was, price of one. That was very cool. That was a cool thing that I did. Uh, it still feels a little bit surreal, like to talk about. Mm. I'm like, did I do that? Is that a real thing? Um, if you would have told, if you would have told like us now. this time last year, oh. dude, that we. <laughs> That I, I, that, I have a, out. that I have a one shot on the official uh, D&D YouTube page and you ran a two shot with NADPOD. First of all, I don't think you knew what NADPOD was a year ago, but <laughs> I would have been like the hell what? out of every single episode. So I was like, I love this a lot. Yeah, NADPOD's but, great. If you haven't listened to NADPOD, go do it. Yeah, go it's do great. It. it is really great. Um, it's phenomenal. Yeah, it's wild. Matt Mercer followed me on, on Twitter off of the back of that two shot. Yeah, <laughs> which tells us several things. Number one, it's only a matter of time before we get Matthew Mercer on our show. Oh my and number God. two, Matthew Mercer is uh, clearly a wise man because he's a fan of NADPOD. Yeah, for sure. And that seems like that's that's nice. I was like, I liked that bit of information. Do you know what I mean? Like, I liked knowing that, like, even at the top, these these guys are all just like, hey, I'll listen to that thing. I'll support that thing. I'll be, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like yep. that's really, really cool. Um because I feel like we've seen a lot of that with like uh, shows that we support and that we like and whatever. And like, it's nice to know that happened. That's happening all the way at the, you know, at the summit of the of the TTRPG community, which yeah. literally upon the summit sits Matthew Mercer. Like, let's be real. Uh, you know, <laughs> he like, has more Twitter this... followers than D&D does. <laughs> this dude is more popular than D&D. Um, <laughs> like, it's just true. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we thought we'd uh, get get together and talk about one shots um mm -hmm. they're a strange beast jeremy um mm. and i i was i was kind of i've got a few like oft criticisms that i thought we could go through as well and kind of unpick a little bit uh, oh. which i thought would be interesting to do later but let's i want to throw over to you let's talk about this youtube one shot um mm -hmm. a little bit because this, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, two of the players hadn't played D&D &D before. Uh, one of them had never played D&D &D at all. One of them the never other played one it. had played a little bit. Uh, Joel mm -hmm. was the one who'd never played before. Uh, Yami had played, but she her memory about it was very, very hazy, and mm -hmm. she was not super experienced. And I right. don't think she'd played for well over a year, possibly years. Uh, okay. Josh, Josh had played uh, a fair amount. Josh is a big D and D fan, uh, so they were quite knowledgeable about D and D in contrast to the other two. But my goodness, all three of them took to it like fish to water. Like <laughs> my, like whoa, 
So you I were was, pleasantly surprised by the... the I, was, the I wasn't just pleasantly surprised. I was, like, legit blown away because this isn't just, like, some rando game. This is a mm. public game for, like, entertainment purposes. Sure. And, like, dude, one move that absolutely, like, blew me away, which, uh, yeah, to this day, uh, sp- small spoilers, was Joel uh, used the spell Unseen Servant, which mm. I've really only ever heard, like, Emily Axford use, and it seems yeah. to be more for like comedy slash slight utility purposes he yeah, used it in more like of an rp type you know yeah, like, like oh, I, hell, like, I use it to do some like a task or something yeah he used like it in a, a combat scenario to great effect because wow. it was and it, i was like when he first cast the spell i was like hmm and then he started using it and i was like whoa <laughs> this is great <laughs> i was so into it I uh, I just for everyone if for anyone who's not played with Jeremy before when Jeremy really likes a move you've done it's one of the most rewarding experiences you'll have in your TTRPG <laughs> life like when Jeremy is like down for an idea or like a thing that you've done it's a it's a very like it feels like when your dad goes huh, good joke son it's like oh, oh I just feel warm inside this is fucking great <laughs> I, I'm a very stern I I, father DM <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah it takes a lot to impress Jeremy but when you do my god does it feel nice <laughs> very emotionally distant give very little positive <laughs> reinforcement but whenever i have whenever i do it really counts yeah yeah yeah. and you usually <laughs> drop an inspiration or something so that's always nice um okay cool so i think actually this isn't entirely dissimilar to a lot of people's experiences uh running what usually starts out as a one shot and then becomes a campaign mm-hmm. right because yeah i think it's quite a common trend where you'll get like an experienced dm like yourself who has a group of friends they want to play Dungeons and dragons they say hey to their group of friends like i'd love to run a little one shot for you guys see if you like it etc mm-hmm. and so uh and the key if you want to continue that is to make sure it's got a compelling story you yeah. know you've got a few beats that you want to hit etc and so i don't feel like this is actually going to be entirely dissimilar to what a lot of our viewers uh, or listeners sorry experience when uh like starting a campaign so yeah question I have a, oh i have a few things actually to say about oh, what yeah. you just said yeah, yeah. No, go uh, for it. the uh, i'm about 99 percent sure that is how the show critical role started which mm. is it was originally a game for liam's birthday a one shot for liam's birthday that matt ran <laughs> and then they turned it into an ongoing campaign and then eventually uh i think geek and sundry approached them and were like hey, the most profitable one shot of all time <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and, and like what a true. birthday present is true and my my very first uh the very first D session that i ever dm'd was originally meant to be a one shot and then everybody had so much fun that we were like let's keep doing it and so it became a campaign yeah. uh but yeah, yeah like the the i think there is a there's a difference because I, I think for a lot of people they're like oh a one shot it's just like you have to run and do a task. It's a dungeon crawl. You know, it's something mm. like it's usually more about the task rather than the the story of the characters. Like sure, it's the yeah. plot of navigating this place yeah. rather than uh, or solving whatever problem is going on rather than the characters themselves having arcs. But because of the way that I was introduced to D&D, which mm-hmm. it, from for the most part, was through Dimension 20. Like, I played it once and then watched a lot of D20. And Mm -hmm. one thing that really stuck out to me about, like, Fantasy High, which was still in the process of airing at that point for the first time, uh, was that it 
every every single character had an arc. Yes, it was every single character had an ongoing character arc that mattered. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, okay, this is how you have this is how you play. You give everybody an arc. And so when when doing uh, one shots, I try my best to help everyone build their characters. Now, you don't have to do it this way. But for me, I find it to be a more rewarding experience for me and the people that I've played with to work with them to flesh their characters out just that little bit more so that when we actually play, they their characters have like emotional goals that yeah. can be fulfilled. Like, and so like the very first one shot I ever ran, that was kind of what happened. And then with this one shot, everybody had a goal that they had, like Sherlock uh, was a disgraced ex cop. Uh, who desperately wanted to gain legitimacy either as a private detective or as a police officer again. Uh, um, uh, Theodomar uh, had lost his whole family. Uh, they had all been killed and he wanted to get revenge on the people who had done that. Um, mm-hmm. Siora wanted to protect and preserve the forest, which was having all sorts of problems. And all three of them got some version of what they wanted by the end, which I think made it much more satisfying for them as players and also just for in a public sense i think more satisfying for the audience because you actually have a story to follow Mm. yeah for sure and i think that that's but that is a hard balance to to hit right um yeah when you have to service uh three or so characters and like um i guess that the 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 slight difference or the big difference is with like a home one shot versus like a an entertainment one shot like we've been doing is that like with a home one shot you're probably not going to have like that super hard out or even if you do you could be Mm -hmm. like oh do you want to catch up next week and we'll finish this off or whatever whereas you definitely don't have that like luxury this needs to be two hours long (laughs) <laughs> yes, right. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah well, yeah. here we go. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So my question, my first question about this this uh, one shot you did was, uh, how do you go about bringing new players in and kind of immediately giving them that like that kind of almost like serotonin like hit of character arc uh, story, you know, kind of get getting them like invested off straight off the bat. Like, what's your? Mm-hmm. Do you have like a secret sauce? For, uh, for me, yeah, for me, the closest thing to a secret sauce would be character creation. It has to start with character creation. You have to help. I think if a person once like I think for most people, if you play like RPG video games, one of the most fun parts of any game that allows you to create a custom character mm. is the process of creating that custom character because you're building all this potential. You're like, what do they look like? How tall are they? What race are they? What yeah. kind of character are they going to be? And like all, you're you're creating all of like you're narrowing some options but in the process of doing that you're creating so many others and yes. and you're you're investing as you're doing that right because yes. you're making all these little micro decisions and you have agency over all of those decisions which is then overall just increasing your you know want uh to see this character become the kind of uh yeah like you said fulfill their potential and become this hero or you know yeah. uh, or, or whatever however you imagine them you know being you know? Yeah. And I and really where that kicks in, not just like, OK, picking the race that can be really complicated. I usually approach picking a race being like uh, I say, especially if they haven't played before, I'll be like, OK, so do you want to be big, medium or small? And then mm. like depending on that, we can go from there and like, OK, do you want to hit things? Uh, do you want to use spells or do you want to use some kind of a mix of the two? 
That's usually like how I break down the classes uh, as well. If because to some degree, a, a person can like customize things if they make a choice that they don't like early on. You can always change things down the line. Uh, yeah, but yeah. really where it digs in is when it's like, OK, let's talk about your backstory. Where are you from? And mm. and every single character backstory in that one shot was created by the characters or seen by the players uh, like Joel had the idea because he's a booktuber. Uh, he had the idea of having his character character be uh uh an ambi- uh, was what would be the term um an aspir uh, an asp- uh, what's the aspiring librarian aspiring, aspiring celebrity librarian that was what he <laughs> wanted to be he wanted to become a celebrity librarian that's, oh, that's amazing <laughs> i'm like that's that's cool to me that's so funny that's so funny <laughs> you want to want to avenge your family and also become a famous <laughs> librarian at the same time uh <laughs> and and sherlock was i mean i mean it's in the name Sherlock Hawthorne, Sherlock, you you get that this person wants to be a detective like Mm -hmm. this. But Mm -hmm. then Josh was like, "Okay, maybe I was working for a force and I had one good case that I had solved 30 years ago and have never solved a case since, but have been like just getting by by bragging about that old case. And eventually they just threw me off the force. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, that sounds great. And they they continue to like build that up. But that that gives them a reason to be here and gives them a specific goal. It also yes. tells you a lot about them as a person. Uh, like this is the kind of person who's not necessarily the most competent officer and maybe not that great of a person if they're just bragging about stuff they did all that time ago. Also gives you an age range. This person's mm. probably like in their 50s. So yeah. they've seen a lot like yeah. the, it, it developed. Yeah. And actually, we didn't even get to do a lot of this. But with Yami's character, Siora, she had a number of woodland friends uh, that they made brief cameos. One of them, I think that is probably very confusing for anybody who just watches the episode but has no idea about the backstory, is uh, uh, as originally a human who got polymorphed into a raccoon, but somehow uh, maintained the ability to speak common. And so (laughs) he was the one who had taught Siora common because. Ciara was like orphaned and grew up in the woods. And wow. so this talking raccoon oh, wow, just brilliant. appears at the end of the one shot <laughs> trying to give her character advice. And I, I think he almost <laughs> dies or something. It was really random. But like that, that stuff, that stuff is how people get invested is like it. As soon as you give oh, them the opportunity yes. to to add like add their own create creativity to the character beyond just you get these options uh and it's something they they choose something to care about it's so easy to then get them to care about what's happening because mm. they already told you they want to care about this and it's like cool well you find out that the the forest you love is in danger or this you spy an opportunity for a case you can finally have a success Sherlock or you realize that the people in, uh, who are involved with messing with this forest may be connected to the people who hurt your family and also there's a library here and you could get in with the librarians uh, like it's it, it it's so easy to get a person to care about something if they've already told you they care about it. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. I think that's a <clears throat> I think that's a very valid uh, valid point that that your 
especially with one shots, like finding yourself the kind of simplest uh, uh, hook uh, and uh, point of reference for a character is definitely like just lean into that, go for that. Like, because I th you're not going to be able to achieve the kind of complex emotional arcs of like a full campaign. So find like what is at the crux of their character? What is going to be the most rewarding thing for them to achieve or to do in the this very limited amount of time that we have? Um, because the game of D&D, it's worth mentioning, is geared towards campaigns. Like that yeah. is the way that it works. It's the reason why combat usually takes as long as it does. It's because they, you know, there's the 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 if you have a big a big combat, realistically, that's probably going to take you an hour and a half to two hours. Yeah. Uh, unless you fudge some stuff or you just, you know, you have like instant win conditions and things yeah. like that. Or like it's a real easy combat. Yes, or it's just a really easy combat. Yeah, exactly. And so like the game is geared towards this longer, more mm -hmm. drawn out uh, like arcs and like quest based uh, uh, stuff. Yeah. And so I do think it that, that not being hard on yourself and... Um, and not uh, worrying about uh, like, oh, is this going to be like the, is it, does this feel like really obvious or really, no, 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 no. Players will be so enamored by like the world you've created and the, the mm -hmm. thing that they've just been dropped into and all these new sights and sounds and smells and whatever that you're throwing up to them, they will absolutely want to just get in there and invest. And I guarantee you no one else at that table uh, is going to be thinking like, uh, oh, right, that seems like really obvious. Like I'm a detective and there's a case. Like that's just, yeah. it wouldn't happen. Do you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> what, you gave me the thing I wanted? Ugh. Yeah. Oh, so God, obvious. How obvious. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, so why don't we just quickly then uh pivot a little bit and just well before wait before we pivot i actually did want to throw out because w i think if you are a, a person running at home it's important to specify or to clarify you don't have if you if this is going to be like you if it's a one shot you don't have to put so much pressure on yourself to try mm -hmm. and give every single person a complete arc yes you can at some point if, if you especially if you're potentially thinking about turning this into a longer campaign just hint at elements from certain people's backstories mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and like and even if you don't resolve the overall issues that that hint will give them enough of like to enough to be like ooh, i oh, matter wow. and this is yeah, also interesting yeah, yeah, there's yeah, intrigue yeah. here like yeah. it's it, it it adds uh some spice yes some, some seasoning spice. uh yeah. but that's that but i think that, that I, I would almost say that for the most part i would have i would actually say avoid giving trying to give them a full arc i think that what we were saying yeah. then is like we get you know you were like you'd picked up okay right we we you know the the forest uh you know is not it's not gonna be safe forever do you know what i mean like just right. because you've done this one thing that's not this, the forest is now not like safe from all evil um this one case that you've done doesn't complete your arc as a into you are now not like a full-blown investigator who will just do in you know uh, what it would be hired yeah. to, to you're investigate gonna have, stuff. you're probably gonna have more cases down the line you're gonna exactly have to do you're probably things. gonna have more cases etc so i think that yeah absolutely take pressure off of yourself in that like you can absolutely just fit elements of what you have planned or ideas that you have to then fit like work with your players like there's 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 mm -hmm. you can easily just tweak stuff so that it then like okay this is like a little plot hook for them this is a little plot hook for them this is a little plot hook for them um yep. And it is absolutely just about listening to your players and understanding like what is their character like about what are they what do they do? Um, this actually 
I was going to segue on to talk a little bit about combat, but I actually wanted to talk quickly, just because this feels like a right time to do it, about a common criticism I see of generally of like entertainment pods in general, but also of one shots very specifically, mm-hmm. which is that um, a lot of people uh, get frustrated, I think, because I think it's, I think it's I, like Matt Immersa comes under this criticism quite a lot, which is like telling players how they feel. Um, and I think this is a really interesting one, and I'd love to get your input. For me, for my money, what this is, is that uh, quite often when you are sat around, like as a DM, you have to use all of the tools to your exposal, all the tools you have to your exposal uh, to create a world and an environment and uh, stakes and emotions, etc. And it mm-hmm. can be hard to do, especially in a situation where, like, maybe your players are in a very goofy mood, or maybe mm-hmm. your players are, you know, uh, just uh, some of the people are distracted, or whatever it may be. And for me, no, like, there are two people that know your characters very, very well. And I'm not talking about, like, saying, this is how you feel, this is what you do. That, that absolutely not. But I don't see a problem. And in fact, I know that this is something that I do because I think that it helps my players. And I like it when the DM tells me, I trust my DM. Uh, and and I, I hope, as a DM, my players trust me. That when I say, like, you know, you feel a... Uh, 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 you know, a, a cold shiver run down your back, and you mm-hmm. suddenly feel like there is like threat and danger here, and you feel a little scared or a little bit like, huh? Because I know that character, and I know the kind of situations where they're likely to be scared or they're likely to be, you know, mm. concerned. And for me, that immediately as a player makes me go, okay, shit, I need to, I need to focus up. I need to like, you know what I mean? So mm. it gives me the ability to, as a player, to immediately drop into stakes without my DM having to do like a 20 minute rant about like the way that the the, the ice starts to form on the windows and the, mm. you know, you see a, uh, uh, you know, you uh, like, you know I mean? there's, there's, there is only so far that like description or music or whatever can get you. Whereas mm-hmm. I think if you trust your DM and, the, and, and you trust your players, giving them, it's because it's not like a huge thing. It's like a one sentence little, hey, I, uh, and I, uh, I like, you know, I, th- I think that your character, you know, looks over this grand vista, having achieved the thing that they uh, have always wanted to achieve. And you feel this overwhelming sense of pride. I don't think there is anything wrong with like helping your player get into that moment and mm. feeling the sense of like grandeur in that moment or feeling, do you know what I mean? I'd like, mm. I'd be interested to know what, to what, and, and to bring it to our, po- to what we're talking about. In one shots, I think for me that tool is imperative mm-hmm. because uh, you absolutely need to be able to be like, "Hey, we're like we're dropping into like scene after scene after scene, and I need you to like come with me on like mm-hmm. what's going on in this scene tonally, etc." Um, I think it depends on the player, and it also depends on the what you're actually. S- telling them they feel because I think that mm. one thing that mo- that most people would never have an issue with is what you, if you say you feel a chill run down your spine mm-hmm. because that doesn't necessarily tell somebody an emotion sure. it tells somebody a physical sensation mm-hmm. which can trigger an emotion and I think that with some people they're okay with you j- telling them their emotions but with other people they may prefer the sensation which triggers how they then get to choose how to respond to it mm-hmm. um, uh, I think that needs to be that's going to vary from player to player. Yeah, I think, I though, that you can always like, for example, at the end, if you mentioned the grandeur. If it's like you feel the warmth uh, and the the I don't know, 
uh, what I might say is like, I think you would feel a sense of pride. Would you agree? And they might yes. like, if you get them yeah. in on it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I would say that. I think, th- I think in terms of one shots, yeah, it's better to just, dis- I think in it's, it's very effective to describe sensations no yes. matter what. Mm-hmm. So smells, even senses, like you get a mm. sense of foreboding from this place. You yeah. feel like someone's watching you mm-hmm. uh, like that. That might be more effective than say you feel paranoid. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Abs- oh, definitely. Of course. Yeah. I think if you can find a um, but I, I guess like as well, it's just like being and being and having that level of like descriptiveness and, and eloquence and stuff like doesn't always come in the moment. Right. Like there's yeah. definitely been moments where I as a DM have been like, you know, we've been going for three hours. I'm absolutely <laughs> fucking exhausted. You're, you're scared. You gotta right come now. up with something. Do you know what I mean? Like you're just you're, you're like you're feeling scared. This place is creepy as fuck. Like just get, help me out and be scared. <laughs> Please be afraid. Just Please do be it. Afraid. Um, yeah, I've I, this is actually something that I need. I've been wanting to put into practice that I haven't put into practice, but I've heard from multiple other DMs that I think is a great idea, which is to write down uh, the five senses. Yeah. Like so that I always can look like whenever somebody goes into some place, I can choose at least like two of the senses that we're engaging. So not just what it looks like, but maybe what the temperature is like or what they hear or what it smells like, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I enjoy temperature a lot. I've used that one. That one feels very effective and evocative for like a lot of the things I've done. Like I, I, I enjoy being like, you know, the air becomes like hot and close and thick. And do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I just think it's like a very evocative feeling of like feeling uh, like if I want to invoke a sense of like claustrophobia or something like I'm like yeah. you know that like being in like a hot sweaty place where you feel kind of uncomfortably it feels uncomfortable to be close to people like yeah. that kind of sense I think is or it say it starts to get harder to breathe because of how mm. warm it is yeah, yeah yeah exactly that exactly that and so yeah. yeah and I just think it's I just think it's a very interesting thing where uh, I think it's an interesting thing to level criticism at where I'm like if you if you're like um Without knowing the player relate player DM relationship, mm-hmm. I feel like it's very hard to like criticize Matt Mercer for doing that when like the players might have openly said like I enjoy it when you do that. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Um, and again, for one shots and things like using those kinds of things of being like I I need like I, like for this scene to work fundamentally, I need a complete tonal shift from our last scene. So like mm-hmm. you're going to need to like flag. Uh, in some way and sometimes in a way where like I've only got half an hour left (laughs) before we all have to jump off Mm -hmm. you know I'm gonna guide this a little more and be like this is a sort of general sensation and feeling that you're having right now Um, the players can then choose to overcome that or you know I'm never gonna fight them on it do you know what I mean I'm never gonna fight them on it and say no 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 no. this is how you're feeling never at all (laughs) and like I'm offering (laughs) them like like, you feel very sad no I I feel like I'm probably okay that no No. you feel really Really sad sad but like saying like an overwhelming you know, like a sensation a sense of, of like dread, dread or or, yeah. or or sorrow sweeps over you. Because yeah. then you can choose for that to be a sweeping, fleeting thing, or mm-hmm. you can lean into that, and it gives you the it, all. It, all it is for me is giving your players like a little, an extra little plot hook for mm-hmm. their character, an extra little like sensation for their character. And normally, I use it to describe something they can't physically see yet. Mm-hmm. You know, like if a character has died off screen. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm like, oh, this feeling of sadness washes over you. Yeah. Or and loss. And you don't know why. 
or loss or whatever. You know what I mean? I think that's like a very evocative and useful. Yeah, I uh, think I think it really depends on the. Yeah, like bottom line is if the players are having fun, then you're doing a good job. Yes. So that's always the, if, that's always if, the bottom line. I'll be yeah, honest. yeah. And if everyone at your table is having fun, you're doing a good job. Like. And that was that was why I was saying that it really depends on the player, because mm. uh, some players do. In fact, actually, in the campaign that we're recording now there was a moment where i described actually the it wasn't a a p the feelings of a pc but it was the uh, of like a a, an adjunct pc and the pc who normally oversees that adjunct pc was actually like actually no that's not what happens this is what happens and i was like all right cool that's what happens yeah Uh, absolutely (laughs) and that was and that that was absolutely fine and that wasn't a moment of uh, of weirdness or or whatever, and that was just like a, and I get and and again it goes it goes back to trust. Like they fully trusted that they could do that, and they could just mm-hmm. like no no no, this is what happens. And you were like trusted them that whatever they chose to do instead was still truthful and honest and yeah. in the moment and whatever else you know. Yeah. Um, uh, and I think also I, I I do tend to lean away from trying to describe a person's emotional response, if only because the more you prescribe things yes. perhaps the less opportunity for surprise there is for oh, example yes. sure. in the in the episode that we just recorded of this upcoming campaign oh. uh there was a moment at the end in which things got a little ominous and mm. there you had a response which was perhaps a bit more direct than what i would have anticipated uh but it wouldn't have made sense for me to not let you do it. Uh, yeah. And actually, I had prepared for that contingency just in case. Yeah, you prepared a little to too well, if you ask me. Uh, uh, <laughs> God. I will, uh, uh, gold stars for anyone who's listening to this uh, later point or remembers this when they do end up listening to this particular episode. Mm. If you can point out the moment this is, it's a pretty yes. obvious moment. It's going to be episode know. five. Episode uh, five. Yes, you'll absolutely know when this happens. Yeah. Uh, it's... <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's a uh, it's a fun time. But yeah, I think I think when it comes to uh, one shots, the thing to keep, I think it, it, it's always good to communicate with your players uh, about what they want. But that's with any campaign, just like to find out what kind mm. of campaign they might want, um, what they might be into. Um, so in the case of in the case of like the, the YouTube one shot, it was the. Uh, I think the D&D were like, hey, it might be a good idea to make it in like a version of the Forgotten Realms. And I'm like, OK, am I allowed to like homebrew a little a few things or, you know, alter? And they're like, yeah, dude, go for it, because, uh, you know, it's kind of yeah. what they're made for. So it was a version of the Forgotten Realms. And it was like maybe they suggested sticking to the core races uh, just to keep things simple. And I was like, all right, cool. And we stuck it with low level. But the, and then I went with the players as well. And essentially from there like the players were in on that whole conversation even though they weren't present for it i think they were kind of informed about it right and sure. so from there it was like cool we have the game and i'm, I'm pretty sure didn't when nadpot approached you they specifically requested uh didn't they say band of boobs didn't they want to do yes. a bohemia yeah. yeah 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 yeah. it was it was band of boobs but not bohemia uh they didn't oh, request okay. bohemia they just right. said it, you can drop the band of boobs at any level into any place that you want right okay and i was like cool so they came to you with what they wanted (laughs) yeah 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 and you already knew their characters from having listened to hundreds of hours hours and hours like yeah well i well i guess uh at least 
I'd, I'd say around 200 hours of... Yeah, in the, in the neighborhood. about an hour and a half to two hours per episode, and there's 100 episodes of the first campaign, so, yeah. you know. Um, plus, uh, plus one-shots. Let's not yeah, forget all those Donkey short Kong. Rests. Those Kong and, Island. Oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> so funny. Funky Kong, man. Wow. Yeah, but this is yeah. ridiculous. This is uh, ridiculous. I said that solidly for like two weeks after that listening to that bloody one shot. <laughs> but this is couldn't ridiculous. stop saying this it. This is ridiculous. Because I'd said I used to say like, "Oh, ridiculous." Yeah, uh, but then I would be like, "Oh, this is ridiculous." Oh, di- no, damn it! <laughs> it's just such a like nervous twitch after after that like two weeks. It was super annoying. Um, the other thing that um, I was going to throw out is the level of uh, mm. the level of planning uh, that one might do for a one shot. Because yes. my the amount of planning that I do for any given session has really changed. I've, I've talked about this over the years. The very first one shot that I ever ran, I had two full adventures planned, depending on which one they which way they wanted to go. Mm. Uh, and it was and I even had contingencies for how the two adventures could ter- lead into each other if they made specific choices within those adventures. Uh, mm-hmm. Whereas now I pretty much have a beginning. I, I go into any given session, but even including one shots with a no. I know where the beginning is. I know roughly where the end is supposed to be. I know what the story is, mm-hmm. uh, what they do within that. I maybe I will create like a few NPCs to mm-hmm. help that I could just call upon and I'll have like a list of names uh, and whatnot that I can build from. But in terms of how these different people get in, introduced, th- uh, in terms of what exactly gets used, it, it's it's up to you guys. And I try not to I try not to over plan anymore because uh, it, I would say over planning is more useful for a full campaign because you can just use a bunch. You can just take the excess yeah, that you yeah. don't use and stick it in later. I, I would still say like even with over planning, though, I feel like you have to be a very flexible DM when you over plan because it yeah. can be then very daunting and difficult when you spent so long planning something and things will not go the way that you want it to go so like if you're a very flexible dm then plan your heart away like plan your heart out because I, then you'll have the ability like, because then you know you'll have the ability to just change on a dime and gonna go okay that npc is not gonna be there i'm gonna put them in in like you know if they're heading in that direction i can put them in the next town mm-hmm. or i can uh that treasure uh do you know what this is like really really cool and i wasn't gonna give them that treasure until like then but i'll give it to them now because it feels yeah. like more of a heroic moment than something that i might have planned later on down the road and exactly. that kind of thing but if you're someone who struggles to kind of veer off of that then i would say like generally plan less so mm-hmm. that you can be so that you can feel a little bit like i'm not ruining or scuppering any plans that i've got down the road etc so mm-hmm. you can so i think be less preemptive is what i'm kind of trying to say by plan less yeah. uh, just be less prescriptive and preemptive just sort of like you can sit back and go like okay i'm just going to see how this plays out before I then structure the next part of this campaign or or, or, or whatever it may be. Yeah, um, I wanted to ask actually how mm. what we just released. Uh, obviously, people are uh, still probably the, the NADPOD two shot has not yet ended. I think at the time of this release, or maybe it just did. It's actually, just, just did. It's just doing. It's just in the well, process. I was going of, to ask. I can mm. ask about both then because two mm. one shots that have come out uh, have come out for you this past week from oh, the recording. Just 
drops on my uh, literally on my phone. it's okay, literally cool. just dropped the so, uh, so these two one one of them we ran back in like march just a while ago yeah uh and the other one obviously you just recorded a few weeks ago with mm. the nadpod crew can you walk us through your planning process for both the once upon a one shot and uh the nadpod two shot yes which was originally a one shot Yes, yes, yes. Well, I'm going to, uh, just for a heads up for patrons and stuff, I'm going to do a little uh, deep dive on the Once Upon a One Shot with the uh, amazing Goblin Snack. Uh, it was, it was, uh, uh, there, uh, it was, it was her idea. Uh, it was, uh, she'd submitted it on the Patreon uh, as an idea and then it got voted on by the patrons and that was what we selected. And so I thought uh, once uh, people have listened to it and stuff, I'll do a little deep dive. So if you want to hear more about that, then uh, there will be an episode at some point soon. Um, but I'll start off with that one, which was that the the brief that uh, Goblin Sack had put on the Patreon when she suggested the idea was okay. What um, it was like was was uh, to to get away from these kind of typical tropes and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what would it, what would it be like if new or lesser known fantasy creatures were tr- like on an adventure to gain some sort of um, you know, notoriety. like notoriety in the world. Yeah. Um, and from there, I was like, right, what is, I, I'm a, I'm, I, my strength as a DM, I definitely know for sure is in world building. I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not bad at running and doing all that. And, you know, but like, if I can create a world and a framework for myself, then like that's, I feel like where I do best. Um, and so it was starting out figuring out, okay, how do I, What's a framework where I can reward my players for doing cool stuff and trying to gain notoriety? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that is where the whole kind of idea of belief crystals came from and the book mm-hmm. as it is written. Um, yeah, you created a whole uh, mechanic so for I won't, that. Yeah, and I sat down with the players, and I won't give any spoilers if you haven't had a chance to listen to it yet, but like I sat down with all the players and said, like, okay, can you come up with like one or like an idea for like one really fun, unique ability that your character could have or that might get at a certain level of power? Um, and uh, from there, we uh, I basically created this mechanic, uh, which, you know, had worked to varying degrees of success because this was something else I was going to bring up on... on um, on this topic which is this stuff's gonna go wrong on your one shot and you'll be like man i could have done that better but it's a one shot do you know what i mean and so like you'll definitely look back and be like okay i would have much preferred if that like if i'd have said that in that moment but it's like those are the those are the moments you get when you get into like session 10 of your of your campaign you know when you're really Mm -hmm. settled in and you're embedded with your players and you know it's just not something you could ever hope to get doing a one shot like you can never hope to get that seamlessly smooth sensation that you do when you get to like session 10 of a of a a campaign and you go damn that was a good that was a good so you know what i mean that was a good (laughs) fucking like session you know what i mean like honestly even that can be pretty fleeting because it's like yeah exactly even that it's a very it's a very rare thing but like you get it like a like you know i mean session around session 10 you'll have that one 
that one golden session. You know what I mean? Where <laughs> yeah, you, you, go, get, oh. you get it way, you get into much more of a groove. The mm. more everybody else knows their characters, the more yes. you get to know the world, all that stuff. You get to start bringing yes. in stuff maybe that you had planned a few sessions ago, and it's like, ha yeah, ha! You get to bring something back that's been building yeah. up for a while, all of that oh, kind of Oh, that stuff. just happened, dude. Uh, this is a very, very, very short tale from the table, because I'm not going to go into details, because mm. people from that game listen to this show. But uh, there was a <laughs> reference in the in the 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 gothic horror slash noir campaign that I've been running for like the past the most of this well all of this year uh started mm. last year there was in like session two there was a reference to like a vicious murder that had occurred in like part of the city mm. and no one ever followed up on it and it was like in the newspaper and people didn't even continue reading newspapers really wow uh and it wasn't until the past session that somebody Whoa. was looking something up and then was like, they, they real, they basically, we, it came back to that earlier murder that had actually been part of a string of murders, uh, that are all attributed to, that were attributed to one person that they never really found. Like the mm. police never found this person, but they're called the smiling slaughterman. And like they, Ooh. there's this whole, there's like a serial killer essentially yeah, who yeah. had existed that, yeah, it, it has now been mentioned again in a completely different context. And now it's like, wait a minute. And there That's was the, great. You know. Shout out to Leo, fan of the show. Uh, <laughs> she was the one person who multiple times had been hanging out with me, just had been like, we never did look into that one thing. And then in that <laughs> moment, she was like, I knew it. I knew it. It's back. I knew it was important. <laughs> I was like, yes, yeah, this is but cool. That, but that's a perfect example of that like golden session right and yeah. uh but i think that there is a temptation to want one shots to go like that and they will not it's impossible mm -hmm. it's literally impossible like we said it's like it's it's hours and hours and hours and hours of like you as a group of storytellers getting into a a groove and a rhythm and a and a thing for then all of the stars to align which also can be like non D, &D related stars of just like people's moods going into a session and all kinds of like how engaged they are and all kinds of stuff like that that will then lead to that thing uh, and so I can't remember why exactly we were talking about that particular thing, but I'm sure it'll, I'm sure it's all relevant. Um, yeah, it was something to do with, with, uh, I don't even, planning. You Just planning the, planning. the one shot um, and building. Oh, it was not being able to incorporate everything. And sometimes like, I, I think that was what yes. it was. Yes, yes. And then so, yeah. yeah, that was it. And so uh, building in this like mechanic and this idea, uh, uh, I I really like, especially when I'm running, uh, I was running a game for uh, Caldwell, who had been, who'd played for many years with the NADPOD and had, mm -hmm. and had done a full, you know, um, you know, like two level 20 arc of a character. Uh, Connie, who's a very experienced uh, a DM slash GM yourself, you Nazi, very experienced players, GMs, mm -hmm. you know, and so I was really keen to add something in that you might not have had before you know like throw in a new mechanic just to just to add a sense of freshness and excitement and whatever not only that yeah. we were playing like homebrewed races uh and things like that and so so this was actually quite a, an interesting one where i approached this and knew it was going to be more of a railroaded story because what was more important for me was that you as individual characters had moments uh to shine and i was like if i build in uh, like a very kind of linear story, then hopefully mm. the players will have then more individual moments to 
do their thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas like if I let this be sandbox, we might not go to areas that suit certain players and people in certain ways at mm-hmm. least that was my aim you know whether i achieve that or not is entirely up to you know the listeners and i'm absolutely fine with you know them deciding mm. whether it did i mean everyone involved work. had fun so yes I feel like ex- well, yeah exactly so it was a, it was an interesting one for me where i kind of i definitely railroaded that story on purpose a bit more than i would normally with a one shot but it was mm-hmm. because i wanted to make sure that we like hit all of these beats with each of these characters and we had a moment to show off what each character could kind of do and like their a bit about their kind of uh like origin and all of that kind of thing mm-hmm. um and I, yeah and i hope hopefully i think that kind of that kind of worked and so yeah then the and then the whole Jamal and Tasha thing came out of just like I really wanted it to just feel like a really folksy story, like a real mm-hmm. kind of genuine like you know we're sitting down by the fireplace to tell a story. I just kind of liked that setup and vibe, and I wanted to kind of involve the DM like a little bit more in the, the like Anahachi have it, and so I think like on the poster and stuff, I even had myself listed as like the storyteller as opposed to like the GM or or, or mm-hmm. the DM. Um, and then, yeah, I just, I really like the idea that there's like a little demi plane where creatures hang out until they're called, you know, into yeah. action to go and play. I just thought it was a kind of a fun, um, little fun idea. I liked the idea of, um, you know, orcs getting back from battle and whatever and being like, mm-hmm. oh God, I need to go detox. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, we actually played in, in a version, a, another setting, actually like a one shot. This past was it last week that w- had a slightly similar setup. Oh yes, it did. It did. It yeah. did. It did. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was a, yeah. a very different. Feel, I, it's a good idea. But it's a. It's, <laughs> it's a, a good it's idea. A, it's a yeah. It's a very fun idea. It's a very like. Um, and it was a way that I could then really play around with the tropes as well, which was a, a, another big aim for for me and in the spirit of what uh, Goblin Snack had suggested uh, was trying to play around and flip and subvert, um, uh, you know, like racial tropes and uh, and and stereotypes and stuff, which of we we often talk about on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in contrast to that, I feel like the Nadpod one was a very different planning experience um in that like you said i already i was like a fan of the show i knew the characters like the back of my hand Mm -hmm. um and um and then for me from there it was like okay and then i think i said this on the short rest um so apologies if anyone's listened to that and i'm repeating uh myself but i was really keen for me i'm a big fan of i don't i'm not a big fan of prequels Mm. Uh, it's got to be like a spectacular prequel to like really hook me um, in that yeah. like if I know that some I know where we're kind of going to end up it I just it loses a sense of stakes and fun and, and etc for me and so I just I'm like yeah yeah okay it's fun but it's not like it's not like the next thing and, and I, what it was for me as a player I went where would I love to see the band of boobs go next where would I love to as a fan of the show where would I love to see them what would I love to see of them? And it was like, I want to know mm-hmm. what they're up to now. I want to know what they're, you know, I want to know what this this group is going around, you know, as level 20 heroes and just putting out fires. And, you yeah. know, like, I was just kind of like, that could What's be fun. What's the campaign after their campaign after the campaign? Absolutely. Um, yeah. And so it was it was about offering something new and fresh and then working within the parameters of, like, their level 20 characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... 
Uh, and not and, just level 20 characters, but like monstrously beefed, powerful. Beefed up level 20 Even characters. as level 20 characters go. Yes. Like, good yeah. night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I felt that. Uh, for anyone who has listened to part two already. Yeah. I tried, uh, this, Jasper and I, because I, I was, in while Jasper was preparing for this, I kept telling him how strong they were because he hadn't listened this. to the ending of the he hadn't listened to the end of the campaign and then yet. i sent you some live reaction yeah. pictures of me and <laughs> when i was telling you you were like yeah no it'll be fine it'll, it'll be, fine. be fine it's gonna be fine. Like, bro you don't understand if you, you don't, don't understand. understand and then Just finally when you listen to it how like, much oh. damage uh yeah. is is able to be done um yeah and i think this is like this is the only um well, I'll, I'll talk a bit about planning, and then, and then actually, then it will lead us nicely on to talking about combat. I think because mm-hmm. there's something that I'd like to bring up there. But um, I, I'm, I'm the kind of person generally when it comes to working creatively. I love parameters, and I think one of the reasons why I struggled a little bit in terms of planning for my home game that you play in uh, mm. or played in, we're on a, a long hiatus at the moment. <laughs> um, uh, is that I made the world so broad and open and like, therefore it just feels a little unspecific to me or a little general. And I find it hard then to like hone in on like the smaller story. Whereas mm. I find if you put me in like a really small, like niche box of like, you have to work within these parameters. That's when I really feel like I can come alive creatively and come up with a really fun and creative solution. And so the idea, whole point of them being shrunk down came out of well two things a i thought hey it'd be really funny to see what happens to hard one if he gets shrunk down because i mm-hmm. feel like uh, uh he might that would be a funny scenario to put hard one in uh if mm-hmm. he was just suddenly really small uh, and then also this is a very uh, interesting mechanic mechanical way of me stopping the the band of boobs from just steamrolling their way through any obstacle i put in front of them um right. because suddenly there's like uh, you know, Kaka, for instance, can do a huge amount of damage to them, like, and could one hit kill any of them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it it, came, it it gave me a fun mechanical way of introducing stakes back into level twenty characters. Yeah. Um, and then not only that, like, it was a very easy then way of me, um, uh, of me adding, uh. Adding a sense of like, okay, you have like a clear goal, you have a clear mission uh, to achieve, et cetera, et cetera. And so with the NADPOD one, I definitely planned a much more open world vibe to that. In that mm. like, generally we're all, it was all going to end back into the same direction, but like um, once we'd gotten to a certain point, and if you've listened to it, you'll know where that certain point is. Uh, it was kind of just like, you can go this way, you can go that way, you can go this way, you'll end up getting back to the same point, but you can kind of go and do whichever one of those things takes your fancy. Um, mm-hmm. And um, and that was fun. It was like, it was fun and I felt like it, it kind of worked and it was less of a character driven thing. So I was like, do you know what? We've had that. We know their characters. Let's yeah. get, let's get It was get just a story. Some, it was just a cool story. Yeah. Like let's give them some fun NPCs to play around with. Let's mm-hmm. give them some interesting plot hooks. Let's give them a bunch of lore to discover and a bunch of like little tidbits and information. And like, uh, this is like a minor spoiler for part one. Uh, so just uh, uh, don't listen for the next like 20 seconds or something if you haven't listened to it. But like, in fact, actually, I can do this without spoiling anything. There was a, a really nice moment of a player discovering a bit of lore which I didn't think we would get to. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, there was a quite a, few, a lot of of it, and most of it was down to, you know, Emily was just a very generous player in that she really invested in the world and kept asking the right questions. Um, and that was very satisfying for me. And hopefully it made it slightly more entertaining to listen to as well, because it kind of uh, my aim always was that I wanted them to be dropped into something that felt alive, living and that would go on living when the band of boobs leave and was there long before the band of boobs arrived. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it didn't just feel like, um, uh, oh, this, you know, Kong, like a bit like the Donkey Kong one, like where like that was very yeah. obviously just like something we're doing. It's fun. It's generally, but I wanted it, <laughs> I wanted it to not feel like, oh, th- this island suddenly appeared out of nowhere and is now immediately gone. Now the band of boobs are no longer there. Like I want there to be mm-hmm. like a life. And I feel like hopefully that came across, which, you mm. know, um, however, the one slight downside and this is something for me as a dm that i'm just working on which is that i definitely feel like i'm still figuring out combat and combat Mm. in one shots i feel like is even harder Mm, Um, how so because i think well for me anyway normally you get to the big end fight towards the end of running the one shot and so you're very conscious of time and Mm -hmm. uh, uh and things like that and it's really hard. It's hard to balance because you don't really have the relationship with the players. You don't, you know, mm. I, I guess I knew I was bl- blessed in that I knew a lot of the moves and stuff that the NADPOD crew might try. But like mm-hmm. the once upon a one shot combat we did, I got heavily whomped. Uh, just you could not for have me, known though. That was- yeah, exactly. I couldn't have known. But for me, I went in thinking we're going to we're going to lose some people. You know what I mean? I really thought like, cause it, it like, mm-hmm. uh, no spoilers, but realistically you were level five, I think four, five. I think we were five. The, what I threw at you at the end. Yeah. Realistically should kill level five characters. Like yeah, pretty come real close. Like somebody <laughs> you know? probably going to go down. Yeah. I'll come real close. And it almost happened. Yeah, didn't somebody, exactly. didn't it, like didn't level... some people get smacked a little bit early on in that? No. Really? No. I thought there was no, like a sense of urgency I really at to, first. I, 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 uh, there was external factors, but weren't anything to do with you as oh, players. <laughs> like you as players were fine. <laughs> I think someone missed a turn. <laughs> it's like basically what happened. <laughs> oh no! Uh, like it was. There, uh, it like really was a one ping. Was for it the me? Ages. Was it me? Because I pulled some ability out of my butt. Is that what it happened? Yeah, but all of you did. All That's of true, you did. Yeah. It, all, yeah. it was it was I remember was, doing something that was like, oh no. <laughs> yeah, no. It was it was all oh no. Um but yes, so because you don't have that kind of like rapport with the players and you don't mm-hmm. understand certain things, and then so and then for me, uh the the NADPOD combat particularly for me was like an interesting one where I felt like uh at the end we had a great time, it was a total blast, but I was like, ah, there was a lot in there that I didn't like or wish that I had done uh, done differently or whatever and that was mostly down to trying to build in a combat that is rewarding and mm. exciting and but it's not going to drag on for ages and then that coupled with the fact that and this is a little peek behind the screen this was only ever meant to be a one shot 
This was mm-hmm. never meant to be a two shot. I just planned too much and the session went on way longer than just like a one shot. <laughs> they gave me permission. Like we got like, you know, an hour and a bit in and they were like, oh, we're loving this. Like, just keep going until you, you know, you get to the end sort of thing. They were, they were very chill mm-hmm. about. And they were like, if we get two episodes, then that'd be amazing. Like, that's not a problem. Um, so I would kind of, I took my foot off of the gas sort of thing in that sense. But even then we got to the combat and I was still like, okay, we do need to wrap up at some point. Um, mm-hmm. And it is just, I think it is just a difficult thing to immediately add stakes and threat and concern and all of that kind of thing whilst servicing this kind of very quick kind of glimpse at a story you know what i mean like it that like mm-hmm. the, the two shot that it is would have easily been like a five to ten session arc had i had the time do you know uh, what i mean okay and yeah. so therefore like you know things like combats and stuff are always going to feel i think slightly underserved you know what i mean in that they don't have they don't come in with the same weight and then you, there's always a slight like okay how much do i add into this combat you know what i mean because everything you add in takes time layer actions take time environmental stuff takes a lot of time um you know and so i ended up stripping a lot of the of that back slightly to the detriment of the combat i think Mm -hmm. you know uh like i had a lot more kind of like environmental or like you know legendary actions and whatever else kind of worked in which i then didn't get to because of you know, time and uh, and 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 getting to a satisfying ending and all right. of that kinds of thing. Do you know what I mean? Right. Okay. Uh, yeah, I can kind of see where you're coming from there. I think for me, I still, un- I usually assume that the players are going to win regardless of what I throw at them, unless I can just straight up counter what they're trying to do or mm. do so much damage. <laughs> like I can, I can counter what they're trying to do and mm. also do so much damage that I'm taking them out one by one. Sure. Like barring just horrendous roles on either my part or their part, which, which has, it's kind it, of a common for whatever thing reason, with, dude, uh, in these, a DM in these as, uh, three black halflings, that is pretty, uh, it's disgusting. Consistent. It's pretty consistent. That the, was also part of the thing with the, once upon a one shot combat, my the roles every you made every every pun every, everyone made every single save bar one character, yeah. and so like pretty much everything missed or didn't work or whatever, and then yeah. you all just rolled really well. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> uh, in the in the upcoming, I think we've announced that we're doing paradox perfect oh well if we haven't then we're <laughs> announcing that we did a paradox perfect one shot and we can just cut this yeah yeah we'll we'll i maybe we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens we'll see what happens we'll find out uh we'll if it's out. in the episode or not yeah. but in the in the paradox perfect one shot everybody rolled absurdly well mm, mm-hmm. absurdly well mm. um and another example of a of a combat this was not a one shot well it could have been but it wasn't uh was the was the original episode of the first episode of uh the cub and the caterpillar mm. in which uh i had nine people making attacks on muti and yep. i think one or two of them hit with an ac it, of 11 yeah that's that's just numerically really unlikely it's like there's nothing you can do practically about that. impossible. <laughs> yeah, there's like, nothing you can do about that. No, but in the case of like this, the one shot that I ran uh, this past time, uh, the, the YouTube one shot that 
combat was actually originally going to be different. But because of what the players did, I was like, cool, I'm going to get rid of these other people that I had planned. Uh, and we mm-hmm. don't actually have to include this other thing that I was trying to do. Uh, yes. on, and, and then we ended up I ended up including it, I think, partway through the combat. I'd, I can't remember. I'd have to rewatch it. But mm. it was like for me, I just just I made sure to design something that could, if it went really badly, be deadly. Yes, uh, sure. uh, but w- even though it would probably be rated deadly, I knew that the players could win because it look challenge ratings, what they, being what they are, I, I most of my combats are deadly and I, I like it's so rare that yeah. PCs die. If PCs die, it's because there were like there were bad decisions made that led to really difficult, like tactical Mm. situations or or just real real bad rolls (laughs) yeah and real bad rolls have never caused the death of a character in one of my one of my games uh thankfully it's always been like oh you lit the park you're fighting in on fire (laughs) okay yeah (laughs) like uh or oh you guys for whatever reason chose to spread out by like it's 60 plus feet and mm. so a couple of you get mobbed by nine npcs at once yeah. uh there's yeah. only so much you can do in a there case like so that much you can do. yeah because it's kind of if you think about it it's very rare actually that people um like it's rare that people even complete death saves you know what yeah. i mean like it's very rare that someone actually does three or well normally more death saves do you know what i mean mm-hmm. like it's just very rare so i think short of like i think the real bad luck is like you get down and you roll a one you know what I mean? Like that's yeah. the like that's when oh. you're like, okay, oh boy. Yeah, <laughs> it's like if if somebody dies from death saves, it's usually because they die for, like they roll like a one. Like it's usually like within all two to three turns, I think. Yes, they have to. I think it's you have to roll like a one and then under a ten or vice versa. Yeah, and also I think most of the time that I know of or have seen or have played in where there's been PC death, it's normally just because the players can't do anything to stop that downed player taking damage. Yeah. That's usually what it leads to it. Like the one that we had was that the guy got down and then uh, was still being constricted by snakes. So therefore they were still taking damage. And I think Um, we even got rid of the snakes once uh, and then they summoned more. And I was like, well, there's not much we can do about this. Yeah, there was nothing to be done <laughs> at that point. There was nothing to be done. Um, but I think I would... This is just generally like a, a thing that I think I'm still working on and developing as a DM. I think my strong my strongest sides are in world building and role playing and stuff and then and combat i still find tricky i still find mm. it it's hard to balance it's it's it can be hard to balance it can be um uh it can be it, it, it can be it, when, it, when it's right it really works and it flows and etc mm. and other times it's just like i've got a i've got a bajillion fucking moving pieces going on here yeah uh, and like the other thing gotta, I, I did want to interject yeah. the other thing is if you get whomped that doesn't mean that your combat was too easy necessarily oh no hell no it could just no, be no, that no, your characters no. had some cool abilities that they broke out uh well in that one shot that we just played in last week oh absolutely uh yeah, that yeah, could have abso- been a much oh, harder fight if not <laughs> for some absurd uh, rules that's true actually i will reserve any for, for me to say i got whomped would be a grievous understatement in face compared of, to that in the face of a whomping that was done upon a dm last oh, week my, my goodness word <laughs> oh my it just kept getting worse it really did it, it really did kept, and it didn't oh help oh my gosh it, 
it didn't help two of our two of the characters particularly mechanically were absolute monsters yeah like absolute unreserved just, just and the other were high level spellcasters characters i as a I, I as a dm would not want to dm for those characters because it was oh, they were yeah. very very strong they, they like I, a lot of but like even in, in even ice. in cup and the caterpillar like the, there were a lot of whompings in that but mm. uh, the, it would vary like some of them i'm like cool yes want me uh but then a lot of them <laughs> want me want yeah, me want me harder <laughs> uh the the fight for example the fight on the cliff face mm. uh it doesn't matter if you guys mechanically are dominating that fight because there's always the threat mm. of death because you're mm. on the side of a cliff. So yeah. it doesn't matter if like you guys in terms of the numbers are dominating. It's a lot of it's about the feeling like yeah. you guys were were scared uh, in the case of the the big Nyati fight at the end. Um, that was just a case of like it was just worked out. Yeah, <laughs> like, that just, it just, it just both sides just. got some real good roles. Yeah, both sides yeah, got yeah. some poor roles. There were good strategies involved. I, think I might like, go as far to say that was like that golden. That was a golden session. Mm. Uh, that combat was like a golden session. It was, just, it was such a culmination of just it was. It all came together in a very satisfying way. I felt. Yeah. Um, but yes, and so I guess uh, just to to tie up this. Uh, this 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 chat that we're having about about one shots uh, and hopefully I feel like there's been some good some good stuff in there and hopefully some useful. Uh, uh, some <laughs> I love that every there. time we record an episode, it's just the two of us. There's somebody's like, I feel like that was okay. This yeah, was, was acceptable, right? That was, that was all right. Level like right? Do yeah. on air, like, yeah. <laughs> not even after. <laughs> like while we're still talking, like I feel like that was pretty good. I feel People like are gonna enjoy was... some of that. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Uh, okay. remember give us give me that c plus that's all i want um uh, please please rate this show five stars on apple Podcasts. yeah please uh like and review it or it really helps us but no uh to, to to wrap this to wrap this up i think that um i think that this is my final thought that i would say about one shots is that they are intrinsically difficult because the mechanics and the general uh, um, setup of the game is not built for them you know and so I think that there are there are certain things that you may not achieve uh, in that like trying to run like a very dead serious one shot I think is gonna be difficult <laughs> you know what I mean? Just because I think that um, things like levity and whatever help you move things along quickly and help you in a lot of scenarios kind of, you know, get things going. If you've got players doing, you know, monologues and you've got, you yeah. know, deep, powerful things and you're trying to kill off NPCs and, you know, it's just like it's it's that is very difficult to do in like two to three hours. Um, I think also just comedy is a really easy way to hook people in. Like if if yeah. you are able to to provide comedy, obviously if not everybody like comedy I, I know, is not com everybody's comedy. Strong I would suit. also say not necessarily even comedy, like brevity. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like just having levity. Levity, sorry, not brevity. Um, but yeah, make it as is, short as possible, please. <laughs> as short as possible. You go into a tavern, you have a beer. The end. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, uh, you make a single Constitution saving throw just yeah. to see how drunk you get. See how drunk you get, and then we'll catch you next time, folks. Um, 
But yeah, I know. I think levity is something that, yeah, like you said, it's a very easy way, a way to hook people in. Plus also, levity is just like a very easy way to get people attached to NPCs and things like that. If you have like yeah. overly serious NPCs who come in like, I am here to defend my honor. It's just like, mm, okay. yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? They it's better just be like, real cool if people are, if you want people to invest in these hmm. super serious NPCs. Like, yeah, but actually, that have, just like, happened in our fun... camp, in, in the campaign we're recording now. There was there were a couple of very comedically oriented NPCs who showed up, mm. uh, and mm. people, even though no one trusted them, just and it's really not because they they didn't trust them, but they also just don't trust me. Yeah, uh, oh, I'm, I'm, we do we do not trust Jeremy <laughs> at all. The level not of distrust for Jeremy <laughs> is so. So strong. This campaign uh, is ruined. Like, oh, honestly, I have to roll inside checks on Jeremy just generally now, even out of playing D and D. I just want to double check he's not planning something. It's harmed my relationships uh, with all of the across players. the board. Across just, the board, uh, I'm getting hate met letters from the players, <laughs> uh, threatening. Uh, anyway, yep. but yeah, it's it's it, it worked like there one of them in particular. Uh, there was a moment where you were like, can please someone I know it's out of character for me to talk to them, but can someone yes, else talk please, to this character, please? please. I want to know more about this guy. I really want to know more about this character, but it, it would make no sense for my character to talk to them. <laughs> like it would be a real shoehorned conversation. Yeah. Um, but what that, what that meant, what that means is that you were invested in that moment. You were like, 100%. I care about I want to I want to engage in this more. 100%. Uh, and so if you are able to introduce if you have those skills to introduce like more comical characters or just facilitate levity on behalf of the players it yes. is a really 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 effective tool to get people into whatever it is you're trying to do absolutely like immediately absolutely. uh and people I love laughing yeah and i absolutely i lent into that like hell with the nadpod one so i was like do you know what if there's one way i can do this i know a lot of the in jokes so will the audience mm-hmm. so let's do it you know uh and like that really helped and it helped me as well just being like nervous being like i'm doing this one shot this is this feels you know like a big deal and i'm just gonna mm-hmm. i'm gonna settle myself down with some laughs and do you know what even dming home games like it is daunting to, at times you know what it is yeah uh, you know you're laying yourself bare this is your work this is your you know a lot of effort and whatever has gone into this and it, it, it you the last thing you ever want is to go in feeling like oh, i don't really you know i i hope this is good you know what i mean like you want because you are an empathetic person who wants to you know uh, uh do cool like a cool thing for your friends and etc etc yep. so uh so i think it is uh yeah i think that levity is definitely a a good a very very good solid tool to use uh in this instance uh, i completely agree um uh yeah i don't any final thoughts on on like one shots um um yeah essentially a one shot i would i would the easiest way i describe it is you run it like you're running the first session of a campaign but you just do less you do less planning that's it you don't have to do as yeah. much world building uh but you, yeah. you work with the players uh, you maybe don't need as extensive backstories but it's good to have a little bit in there. Maybe yeah, a one to two sure. sentencer. That's something that could be summarized in one to two sentences. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, you have, I think you just do less world building, but maybe leave the potential, depending on the certain scenario, the yeah. potential for more if people want it. 
That's what and I would I was, say. I was actually thinking about this in terms of like home stuff because I was thinking about uh, the main campaign and stuff that I'm running and the setting and everything like that. And I was like, and like the more I've done this and the more I've gotten into this, the more I'm like, oh, I really wish I'd done something more unique and more because like there's just more stuff that interests me now as the DM as opposed mm. to doing like a very like straight fantasy kind of setting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was even thinking to myself like, huh, I wonder if like next time or if I was to like if we were to rejig things a little bit whether I would even suggest like having those characters and we do like one or two or three one shots uh to like test out a world or an idea of a world and then see what people vibe with you know what I mean so like I'll come in and we won't do too much world building for the characters so that I can just drop you in and see how you enjoy it and then from there if everyone really likes a particular setting we'll then do the kind of character world building we'll get your backstories involved we'll do all of that and I'll then flesh it out and plan it out more but I yeah I would know I like I would see maybe try it and see how it goes and again don't do you don't have to do a whole lot of planning for this it's just like give us a sense and a flavor of this world and what it might look like and how it might go down and then mm-hmm. maybe see if people uh, which one people really enjoy and vibe with and and, and whatever um uh, because i feel like again that'd be a great way to like instantly invest your players in it um because they picked it um and then not only that like it would just be a fun way for you to try some ideas out you know because that's something i really want to do now like and i think that i probably will do more with my like home game stuff it's just like hey you know do you guys have time to get together because i really want to try out a thing like a uh, like an idea that i have um you know because like now that i've done superhero stuff and horror Mm -hmm. stuff i'm like i want to do that like that's way more interesting for me than just like I am an adventurer on a journey. Not to say that yeah. that is bad at all. That is very rewarding. And like my word, would I love to, you know, I'd, lo- I'd love to play in it. It's just for me as a DM, when I'm world building and I'm coming up with stuff, I'm now like, I've now created Potsidonia. I've now created the, the book as it is written. Like, mm-hmm. so just very unique feeling. Well, hopefully unique feeling worlds and settings and stuff. <laughs> this is the most generic thing I've ever <laughs> seen or heard uh don't the the tweets will be flooding in as this um uh as this one shot as or the the finale of this one shot has been published (laughs) the tweets will be flooding in now being like my god this sucked (laughs) (laughs) this generic ass city (laughs) oh look they're all small okay cool cool like every other campaign i've ever seen (laughs) hey every other that's fine that's like half the campaigns you've ever seen i'll take that It's a very different interpretation of the phrase every other. I think we should stop. We should stop. <laughs> as soon as that comes out, we ha- as soon as we start mis- misinterpret, as soon as Jasper starts hey. weirdly interpreting things, it's one thing if I'm doing it. If hey. Jasper is doing it, that to me is a sign that we need to stop recording. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I I uh, I haven't eaten this morning, so maybe that's why. <laughs> me neither. Neither. <laughs> Neither uh, one of us have eaten. Well, food. there we go. <laughs> Neither one of us has eaten any any sustenance whatsoever. So yeah. on that note, uh, thank you very much for listening, patrons and non-patrons alike. Um, yeah, this is the this... kind of quality content that you get on the <laughs> hey, Patreon. Hey, this is we... actually way more on task or this on topic. Actually, this is more. this is a very misleading. This is yeah. way more on topic than the yeah, Patreon yeah, yeah, stuff yeah, yeah, usually yeah. is. We should have really gone off the rails a lot sooner if we wanted to actually give people an, uh, an idea of what yeah. is on the Patreon normally. <laughs> I think it was like we were overcompensating for it being 
nine in the morning and us and not tr- having eaten. Yes, we were desperately trying to stay on task when normally we wouldn't. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, uh, pip, pip, patrons. <laughs> and so long, Shire folk. And so long to the Shire folk.